Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcottawa.org. Cracked cisterns, leaking water. Jeremiah in the Old Testament reading this morning speaks of a cracked cistern of water that's just dissipating, going away. That's quite a disappointment. Water is quite a mysterious thing, you know? What do you think? I mean, water just finds its own path. It does its own thing. And I mean, we know that well here. Where's the water coming from? Where's the water coming from? That was the question that Cynthia and I had back in March when I got a phone call about 10 o'clock at night from, from those who were meeting in the AA hall and said, there's water here in the basement coming through the ceiling. So we, we go over and we go down to the basement. Now keep in mind, it was the basement of the building and we go over to the basement and there is water just really pouring through the ceiling down in the basement. My first thought, being somebody that's done a few plumbing jobs with my dad, was that there had to be a leaking water line that's running somewhere through there because, I mean, we were in the basement. But water, it leaks. It finds its path. Well, lo and behold, we discovered that there was also water coming through in the parlor, and then there was water in the old youth room upstairs, and and that's the issue that was described to you last week that we're still dealing with. Where's the water coming from? Where's it going? Where's the invasion? Where's the leak? Where's the leak? Or it can be like your toilet tank, you know, and it kind of refills every so often. I mean, and, and those things don't seal up and you're going, where, how do I stop this? Why stop the water running? Where's it going? It's leaking. I'm not smart enough to fix old gutter systems. I've helped my dad with plumbing jobs and I'm not smart enough really to fix newer plumbing systems either. And I suppose that the tragedy this morning that we see in in Jeremiah is that we humans tend not to be smart enough to diagnose our own spiritual leaks either. You see, we we try to plug them up with human things. That's really what Jeremiah is talking about. We try to plug up these spiritual leaks, the leaking spiritual water from our lives with things of this world. We trade trade God who loves us and fills us up and who is the source of living water for possessions and power and privilege and reputation and, and how others think about us and how we think about ourselves and all kinds of superficial things or we chase after all kinds of things and God says you already have all of the status that you need. You have traded your belovedness for a way of being valued by the world or by others or by society or by people. You've traded in a value that you already have. You've traded in living water and you've got cracked cisterns in return. So this morning, question one involves what are we doing that it's allowing the cisterns that hold the living water of spiritual life, what do we pursue that allows that water just to go away? Rather than completely leaning in to God who's already determined, I will will continually supply the water for you. On this date, August of 28, 1963, 
a prophet of the American experiment and a prophet of the American church stood on the Washington Mall and spoke a prophetic message to the peoples of this United States. Martin Luther King Jr. stood and spoke of the I Have a Dream speech. And in many ways, you might say that he was speaking of ways in which we have cracked cisterns. We are leaking water because we, we have not brought together people equally. He spoke of the check for the person of color in the American experiment had come back insufficient funds. He spoke of, I have a dream today, of course, of, of, of everybody at the table. I have a dream today. And he goes off script and soars to preaching prophetic heights as he speaks of that dream of the beloved community. Seems to me that that dream of the beloved community is of a cistern that's not leaking. The dream of a beloved community is, is inviting everyone to the table and seeing the imago dei in everyone. Jesus, in the gospel reading this morning, is really speaking about, you might say, cracked cisterns versus a remedy for leaking water. I mean, as long as we're just inviting our friends and, and, and all those kinds of things, as long as it's an insider club, the cistern's going to leak. As, as long as we try to keep the good news of God's love to ourselves, the cistern's going to leak. Jesus is at, some, is at a Pharisee's house. He's at a religious leader's house who is hosting a party. Well, so far, so good. I mean, the biblical idea and the biblical principle of hospitality is a beautiful thing. And so there is a, a gathering, a dinner gathering. The gospel of Luke is profound for all the dinner gatherings and how Jesus is at table with, well, with everyone. To the dismay and chagrin of Pharisees, maybe like this Pharisee, and maybe like well, even some of us today are uncomfortable with all the people that Jesus had dinner with. Tax collectors, women of the city, all kinds of things. I don't know. What kind of rumors could we start? What kind of rumors would we start? What kind of social media memes would be made up about somebody who lived like Jesus, who had dinner like Jesus, who ate with people like Jesus? I mean, what kind of stuff would you see on the Internet today? Oh, we would trash his reputation. But his reputation, of course, is beyond trashing. So he's at this dinner hosted by a Pharisee. And he's observing the people while the people are observing him. Guess whose observations are the most keen and the most telling? They're watching him and Jesus says, Now, hey, when you come in as a guest to a dinner... Let me give you some wise counsel. And this would come from Proverbs. This was even in the Old Testament. They had some, this was social etiquette of the day, a little bit of social wisdom. But when you come to a dinner, don't take the seat closest to the host. Don't assume that you have a place of privilege. I like to look at it this way. He says, when you come to a dinner, don't seek to be or assume to be blessed or privileged. That can only be conferred on you allow that to happen. Don't, don't assume. Don't assume your position. Allow room. Humble yourself. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. So he gives instructions to the guests, but maybe his most telling instructions are to the host. 
He says to the host, let me give you some instructions about throwing a party. This is all well and good. This is fine. You're throwing throwing a party for like-minded people, but how about you throw a party for people that can't pay you back? People that can't pay you back. They can give you absolutely nothing in return. And I want to suggest to you this morning that he's, he's, Jesus is doing a couple of things. One, he's turning the social order upside down. He's turning the social order upside down. And he's turning, he's turning the principle of reciprocity upside down. You know, you do for me, I do for you. He's also turning over the idea of meritocracy, of like people deserve certain things. Oh, and how does that go over in a country that's built on pull yourself up by your own bootstraps and if everybody just works hard, they'll get theirs. Jesus says, it's not about meritocracy. It's not about pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps. Oh, how often do we hear that rhetoric in the public square these days? But Jesus seems to say, invite everyone. Everyone has a divine image. We, we, we love to exclude based on, well, if they would just if somebody would just work harder. Hmm. Jesus says, invite the poor, the blind, the lame, those who would be excluded from your dinner party and some of whom would even be excluded from synagogue. Who are we inviting to dinner parties or to synagogue to worship? Who are we inviting that the rest of the world would just as soon leave out? In the reading from the book of Hebrews today, it speaks of that, that beautiful and mysterious phrase, do, do not neglect the entertaining of strangers because you may be entertaining angels unawares. Maybe entertaining angels unawares. It, it's almost like invite somebody that you wouldn't normally invite or spend time with somebody that is unexpected. This week on Tuesday morning, a phone call came to the office and Christy answered the phone and got a just really quick overview. And she said, there's a guy that has been in a halfway house in Illinois. He's traveling through trying to reach, get to family in Oklahoma. He's exhausted. You know, he's, he's coming, coming out of prison, been in a halfway house, exhausted. Would you like to talk to him? I said, sure. Within 60 seconds, he tells me that when he, he was in prison, that a graduate of Moody Bible Institute and an American Baptist pastor who, who had shared with him had really helped him come to know Jesus deeply and Jesus, know Jesus well while he was doing time. And I listened to him, and, and he didn't just speak American Baptist. He said, you know, American Baptist, didn't y'all used to be called Northern Baptist? I'm like, oh, he's talked to somebody because that's not, that's just not a little detail that every run of the mill person knows. I said, well, he's talked to somebody. He, I think he knows what he's talking about. And we talked about some other things and, and about, about the experience of being a, a, a minority person in kind of the ethos of certain kinds of Christian circles today and all those kinds of things. And I listen and he tells me he's at a Walmart and Gardner and I Every now and again, you just have a moment of discernment. You says, yes. So I got in my car and drove to Gardner and met him and brought him back to Ottawa. We had lunch at prime time and took care of, of a couple of nights for him to stay here in Ottawa until somebody could come and get him and take him the rest of the way on his journey. Now, I say all of that to say we had conversation like old friends. 
He starts talking about Jesus, he's, the, his perspectives, and then, by the way, he was a college athlete, played basketball, played some bas- professional basketball in Europe, and then he starts talking Kentucky basketball players that he remembered from the 80s from when I was a child, and all of these things happen, and I want to tell you that after we had lunch and we parted company down at the Sure's Day Best Western here in Ottawa, I wasn't, my cistern had been filled. That's the point I'm trying to make. I didn't do any, in fact, in fact, that, that passage in Hebrews, I felt like maybe I had entertained an angel unawares because I had been encouraged by the conversation and by the blessing. Those moments are probably too rare. They're probably too rare. What does this look like? Now, if you want to take this to its almost to its radical extreme example, Cynthia and I visited a place a couple years ago while we were driving through Oklahoma City. We're driving through Oklahoma City, and all of a sudden, I just blurted out loud. I said, I wonder where Joe's Addiction Coffee Shop is. Because I'd read a book by the name of Beloved Chaos by Jamie Zumwalt. Jamie Zumwalt and her husband had been missionaries and ministers, and, and they had gone through all the things and done all the things and done some incredible things overseas, and yet reached a point where they thought, is this all there is? In, in her book, Beloved Chaos, she quotes Shane Claiborne, who, who says something like this. He says, what if Jesus really meant the things that he said? And then she highlights this idea of love. What, what does it look like just to love God and really love neighbor? She went on, a, in on an ex- exploration trip overseas again, thinking that's where she and her husband and family were going to be called again. And she felt a compelling inner voice. Do what you would do overseas in Oklahoma City. Well, (laughs) they ended up opening Joe's Addiction Coffee Shop right next door to Valley of the Dolls. A little 0.3 square mile separate little city in the midst of Oklahoma City for businesses like Valley of the Dolls to get special provisions and privileges. They opened the coffee shop in the most impoverished in drugs and trafficking and exploitation area in Oklahoma City. And it slowly began where people just started showing up all of who they were. She calls it beloved chaos. And the stories will leave tears running down your cheeks of the love that is shown day after day in the midst of the beloved chaos. 
of discovering the deep and broken-hearted reasons why somebody comes in very, 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 very unbathed day after day in journeying through that. Why in, in settling conflicts between a gang member and somebody who had injured that gang member on and dealing with those conflicts in the midst of the beloved chaos in the coffee shop and, and then ha- holding worship services where we use fancy words like, like repentance and forgiveness and they just do thank yous and sorries. Beloved chaos, inviting, pay what you can. If you can't pay anything, I will say that when Cynthia and I visited there, we just experienced just a bit. We spoke briefly with with Jamie and spoke of reading her book, and it was the most worthwhile, most expensive strawberry smoothie I've ever had in my life because you you pay what you wish there. It's an experiment in exactly what Jesus seems to be saying here and the flourishing that's going on. Oh, is it chaotic? Yeah. Is it hard work? Yeah. Are they experiencing seeing firsthand, firsthand the work of God? One of the stories in the book involves the people that, that load up in her suburban to go make a hospital visit. They had had community, and one of the people that had been coming into Joe's Addiction Coffee Shop was in the hospital and was at the point of death. This is one guy who is kind of an interesting guy. He said he wanted to be a pastor, and then, and then Ace, the former gang member, wants to go to the hospital, and then somebody with mental illness wants to go, and they all want to load up in the suburban and go visit, and she doesn't know why Ace wants to go because he's still all so angry. He can't hardly stand anybody or anything, and then on the way there, he, he speaks of losing a girlfriend, fiance, and not being able to say goodbye. He said, I've just got to say goodbye to somebody. He's processing some grief. And then, and then she speaks of the chaotic and yet beautiful, beloved chaos of the way that everybody cared for one another and spoke life into this family. All because somebody said, we're going to open a coffee shop and we're going to invite anybody. as a light, as a light. The parable that Jesus tells has a word for us. It has two words for us. It has a word for us in if we are the invited, when we see ourselves as the invited, then we can sit in that place of knowing that we are especially loved when we are the guests, if we're the ones invited, then We are walking in the light of infinite divine love from which we can never be separated. We are invited because the divine host has invited us to this thing called life. The the divine host has invited us to to his ever-flowing place of living water or a coffee supply that never runs out. He's invited us to this coffee shop called Earth, called Life, where you can just enjoy without end. So that's one place that we stand, and we must be in that place before we can get to the next one. Of knowing, 
of knowing that we have been invited. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, knowing that we're invited. So when we can receive as being guest, beloved, invited, then we might be able to be the host that will do the same. They will do the same. Keeping water from leaking is challenging and hard work. Can I get an amen, plumber? (laughs) Keeping water where it belongs is hard work. Or at least intentional work. Keeping spiritual water? Well, that too. That too is intentional work. It involves stillness and contemplation, but it involves hospitality. It involves radical welcome. It involves stretching the bounds of who's at table with us. Stretching the bounds of opening the doors so wide. And when we do that, we may just find that we're entertaining angels unawares. Let us pray. Oh, loving God, stir us by your grace, by love that is without limit. Just how we are loved so that we can love you and love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, call us to beloved chaos. Give us a vision of the joys that we might behold. May we be continually a people of making room in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the First Baptist Church podcast. We invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 930 in Ottawa, Kansas. You can find more information about our church at www dot fbcottawa dot org